You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Has the true Lord of the Sith been under our noses this whole time? What if Jar Jar Binks was a Sith Lord? Guys, we will answer those, that question today on this episode of Systematic Geekology. We are the priests to the geeks. I'm your host for today, Christian Ashley. I am joined by a very special friend, someone we all should aspire to be to, not as much as TJ, but very close to Brandon Knight, the the host of My Seminary Life. How are you doing, Brandon? Hi, everybody. It's nice to be compared to TJ. How are you doing, Christian? I'm doing well. You know what? It's always good to be compared to TJ, like someone we should all aspire to be. Even when he's not here, we're praising him. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I talk about him every episode on my show. That's not true. (laughs) So, Brandon, what have you been geeking out on lately? Well, funny you should ask. So uh, earlier today, I don't know why I did this, but you, you have that list of movies that you're just want to watch eventually right and so i sat down and i watched the 1980s masters of the universe film starring Dolph Lundgren. yes um i so i'm a mid 90s baby so a lot of those like 80s ips i've i totally missed out on you know so as an adult i'm going back and checking out a lot of this stuff i mean the movie's not good at all but i do like <laughs> the whole masters of the universe thing it's it it's so serious and cheesy all at the same time. It's everything I would want. Absolutely. I watched the film for the first time like two years ago. It's been like, okay, I have next to no attachment to He-Man. Like I've watched it before. I'm not a, mm-hmm. necessarily a fan, but that movie is something else. Oh, it's, I mean, we're at a point where the cheesy graphics, it, it's, it's irrelevant. Like it's to be expected by this point. The movie came out in 87, I think, but just, when Dolph Lundgren's your lead, you know you're in for... What more do you oh, need? Yeah, yeah, you're in for a great time. It, like, super young Courtney Cox, I didn't even know she was in that movie. And that caught me off right? guard. It's so strange. All right, so I have been geeking out recently on the latest volume of Ruby. I talked about it in a What's New episode mm. a while back. And my opinion has improved outside of something that I knew was coming and I'm still disappointed by it. And... I think some people can read between the lines of what that is. I don't think it was foreshadowed very well. And uh, it's the one of the darkest episodes we've ever had just released on last Saturday. And I am curious to see where they go from here with it. Cause it is like, when I say dark, I mean dark. Interesting. I've, so I've always heard Ruby is really good. I haven't seen Ruby. So I, I do plan on checking it out. Eventually I'm like a white belt when it comes to animes, uh, but that's that's good to know. There's a little bit of a what is it a swerve or something that nobody likes that happens recently or something. It's more a relationship uh, made to placate uh, shippers, okay. in my opinion, rather than serving the characters. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So that is what it is. All right, guys. Enough about Ruby. Enough about Masters of the Universe. We have to talk about the only important conversation you should have today with your friends and family <laughs> is Jar Jar Binks. A Sith Lord. So, Brandon, uh, would you like to explain the mythos behind this? Do you know about the story of Jar Jar being a Sith in disguise? I I was going to ask. Actually, I was going to ask this a little bit because just for clarity, this is an Internet meme, right? Like this doesn't happen in the (laughs) legends or something because I always thought. Okay, because I I always thought I was like some diehard Star Wars fan. And then I started meeting actual Star Wars fans who are really into (laughs) 
the books, which is fine. Like totally be that person. If you're really into the books and the comics and spending a lot of your time on Wikipedia, like do it. I just wanted to make sure that there is no actual like this doesn't actually happen. Right. OK, cool. This has something to do with Snoke, right? With the rise yes. of. Yeah. OK. The, the original right. fan theory for this involves Snoke. Okay, because he shows up in The Force Awakens as like the new big bad and what we all thought was going to be the next emperor, which we can do a whole thing on the the sequel trilogy another day, I guess, Uh, should probably have some real professionals like TJ and Will on that episode. But (laughs) but to talk in from my understanding, this all comes down to how snoke looks and he kind of looks like jar jar and jar jar binks can jump really high which is a trademark of being a uh, being force sensitive is that you can jump really high that's my understanding of how we got from a to b I, am i missing some details on this christian plenty but you know what that makes sense too like those are part of the points that are brought up in this initial fan okay. theory it's um basically around the time uh, episode seven released uh, it was a user on Reddit made this entire thread about Jar Jar being a Sith Lord in disguise, m- mostly tongue in cheek. Sure. And it's the idea. Uh, the jumping thing was one thing they mentioned of how he made a 20 foot standing jump and mm-hmm. clearly he was using the force in front of them and they just didn't recognize it because they were clouded by the dark side. And there's my favorite parts are there's several scenes in the movies where Jar Jar is waving his hands around. When he's mm-hmm. talking to someone and they're saying, oh, well, he's just using force persuasion on them this whole oh. time. And they're not aware because he just talks with his hands. Why would you ever think he would be trying to mess with your mind? <laughs> and it's, it's just one it of those so happens. Yeah. Like it just so happens he's from the same planet that Emperor Palpatine comes from. He just happens mm. to become a senator later on. He just happens to be the one to give emergency powers to the chancellor and is hanging out with them, even in Revenge of the Sith. I, I knew that part. I forgot about that, that the whole Senate scene of him getting Senate power and giving it to Palpatine. That's like another big part. I did. Rem- I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes. So if you guys are wondering, no, this is not actual canon in any way, shape or form, but it's fun to speculate. That's why we do these things. That's why you probably sure. voted for this. Yeah. So do you feel like this has any believability at all, Brandon, in your heart of hearts? Is in my heart of hearts. I mean, I, I want it to be true because like, why not? It's one of those like, why not type of situations? What's that's like the heel turn of the century. Here was like the comedy, the comedy character in already a very I mean, I have nostalgic love for the Phantom Menace, but it's not great. Um, and <laughs> yes. already not very good movie. Here's the co- the comedic relief character. And we're going to turn him into the next big, like essentially emperor character, at least going into uh, The Force Awakens, like the next big dark overlord character. Sure. Let's let's let it be. Let's let it happen. Thank you, Reddit. I don't know how many times we can actually (laughs) thank Reddit for giving us a gift like this. But, you know, there's a reason why I don't I don't actually have a Reddit account. I I know I would be there for forever if I did. So, yeah, I I believe deep down this is all true. It's headcanon. But part of this I forgot to mention in that fan theory as well is that uh, George Lucas intended to him to be like the Yoda figure 
as in like the mysterious person you think, what's what's their deal? They're actually important along the way. But because of fan yeah. backlash to the Phantom Menace, he changed his plan. So Darth Jar Jar was never going to show up on screen. But it was always the plan. That was always, so, always the plan. Yes. Love it. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Do I believe it could happen? There's a way you can do it and it sure. make it work. Obviously, it's not. But it's like I said, it's fun to say it could be. So what you said you have nostalgia for Phantom Menace. Like what mm-hmm. was your initial response? And then later on in life, how did you feel about Jar Jar? I mean, so that movie came out in 99, right? Yep. So I was five just just for context. So obviously, I thought it was a great movie. Like Jar Jar is a funny character. The pod racing was super awesome. Fast basically cars racing around. Sure, why not? Darth Maul has a double-sided light or a double-bladed lightsaber. I mean, all I the movie was written for children. It's not a kids movie, but it it sells toys, right? So, as a kid, loved it. Still really uh, loved it a lot. As an adult, um, there are some elements to it that I do appreciate more. Like as a child, I had no frame of reference for who Liam Liam Neeson was. And now as an adult, Liam Neeson is one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite actors. Like I do enjoy a lot of his movies now. Same with um, um, Spacing on Her Name, Natalie Portman. Same with Natalie Portman. I like a lot of her stuff as an adult now, too. Yes. The movie itself... I think it's still my favorite of the three prequels, which I know is kind of this like hot take, I guess, because a lot of people do love Revenge of the Sith. And that's fine. I think Revenge of the Sith can really be summarized into one really epic sword fight in the Darth Plagueis scene there when Palpatine is explaining the the tale of Darth Plagueis. Like, I think those are two really great scenes and otherwise just kind of their movie. But yeah, so I would say nostalgic wise, I know it's not the best, but I still enjoy. That's probably the one I go back and enjoy watching the most is Phantom Menace. What about you? That's perfectly fair. Um, My opinion doesn't matter because my favorite in the prequels is the Attack of the Clones, which objectively is the worst movie in that trilogy. I I just love the lightsaber scenes. I love the Geonosis scene and all that stuff. But like as far as story and depth goes, uh, objectively the worst in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. So as far as Jar Jar is concerned, I was nine when it came out. Okay. So not, not terribly much older than you at that time. And I mean, he was there. I didn't like, <laughs> I laughed at some of the stuff he did, mm-hmm. but I was always a Jedi guy. It's like, yeah, get okay. rid of all that stupid stuff. What's this politics stuff? Let me see, you know, <laughs> slicing droids in half. Let me see the Starfighter section on the trade Federation battleship, a control ship. Yeah, yeah. Like, Yes. I mean, when they got to the scene with the Gungans fighting the droids on uh, Naboo, I was like, yes, yes, I'm all for that. As Mm -hmm. this little nine-year-old who knows nothing about anything. (laughs) As I grew up, I had that phase where I was like, oh, man, the prequels suck. And the only thing that ever mattered was the original trilogy and George Lucas is a hack. And then, and I will say this is before the prequel memes started coming out. Okay. I started to regain an appreciation for it. And then when they started coming out, it's like, yeah, I love the prequels. Okay. I love them for what they are. And everyone knows my opinions on the sequels here. Uh, Spoilers, if you don't, I'm not positive. (laughs) So that's where they're at. And as far as Jar Jar is concerned, now I have a better appreciation for him and what Lucas was trying to do with him. It's made for kids. Yeah. It's okay. He didn't, gosh, the terrible things people would say. uh, He did not destroy your childhood. 
by creating Jar Jar Binks. I know. I I would still say I get I don't know if I've been on record about this. I would still say the prequels are my least favorite of the three categories of Star Wars films. I don't know if we're counting the Star Wars stories in this of the episodic films. The prequels yes, are my least favorite. Um, and so but even at that, like, I don't think they're bad. They're not unwatchable. A lot of Attack of the Clones is fast forwardable. You know, you kind of you kind of <laughs> yes. watch Attack of the Clones for very specific scenes, which, to be fair, is like the entire ending of the movie is very good because it's the whole Geonosis thing. Um, yeah, it's just there's something about the prequels for me that the dialogue, it, that's the thing. It's like the dialogue mm-hmm. is so wooden. It's like it's like King James version compared to the dialogue in the other two Star Wars iterations. It's very noticeably different the way that yes. everybody is communicating with each other. And the whole PowerPoint slide transitions in between scenes is not great either. But whatever. Yeah, I agree. Jar Jar Binks did not ruin my childhood. George Lucas did not ruin my childhood. Like, yeah. Yeah. As far as the dialogue goes, what did Harrison Ford say? I mean, you can write this, George, but you sure can't say it. Yes. Yes, I would agree. And that goes away that I mean, obviously, that's not a part of the original trilogy. But in the sequel trilogy, I was really happy that they retained the dialogue from the original of, hey, this is how normal people talk. Yeah. All right, so what is it about the character of Jar Jar that makes people want more from him, see further depth than this goofball that we see in especially the first film? Well, I think that's part of it is that he's a very key character in that first movie and then really hits the back burner in the next two. He's kind of like he gets the same treatment that what's her name? Rose gets. What's the girl's name in uh, Rose? Yeah. The Last Jedi, who is like Mm -hmm. this main character. And then J.J. Abrams shows back up and she is way on the back burner. Similarly, with Jar Jar Binks, he's the front and center, basically, in that first movie, really hits the back burner. And so I can understand, even if he's not your favorite, same with Rose, that even if he's not your favorite, that if if he's so prominent but you're not willing to kill him off. You would expect him to be more utilized in the next two movies than what he was. So it is that big question mark of what if like we're doing here today of what if he did have more screen time? What if he did age and evolve as a character and become less comedic and more serious as he steps into his chancellor role? Yeah, I I completely agree. It's, when people were so disappointed with what happened to him, they just started to latch on to other ideas mm-hmm. just to like say, oh, this mattered. This thing that I hate, it mattered. So this is how it actually mattered. I'm going to make <laughs> that up on my own. Yeah, I get that. There have been some unsatisfying stuff from other shows I've watched. I'm going to headcanon this so that makes sense instead of you acting out of character. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So do you think like this whole concept, Jar Jar being a Sith Lord, can his character be redeemed by making this canon Or do you think there's nothing to fix at all? Is there nothing to fix at all? I am kind of surprised. Granted, I haven't really watched very much of like the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels. Like I'm still kind of working my way through those shows to kind of know what happens like in all the in-between stuff. 
it is surprising to me that we don't see him very much in all of that filler time frame stuff. Not that I think he needs his own film or show, but again, just to kind of like let's age and evolve this character a little bit. Maybe uh, what's his name? Filoni. Yes. Right. Yeah, Dave Filoni. Yeah, maybe Filoni just finds him completely untouchable at this point. I would like to see a little bit of growth, even even if it's not the whole Sith Lord thing like that's that's fine. But just to kind of like, I don't know, closure, like what ends up happening with this guy? <laughs> yeah, um, as far as Clone Wars is concerned, you'll definitely see him again along the way. Okay. Um, as far as closure. I mean, depending on who you ask, he's the one saying we so free in Return of the Jedi <laughs> in the added scenes. Who knows, oh. really? So it all depends on who you ask. There, there's not. I don't think there's anything official for him at okay. this moment. I have not read any of the canon novels because, I mean, my heart just can't take it at this point okay. in time with uh, what happened with Last Jedi. And speaking of Rose, by the way, I pretty mm-hmm. I didn't really care for her character that much. But what happened to her actress is why any criticism mm-hmm. of the sequel trilogy is rendered destroyed on it uh, on delivery <laughs> because of the people who just had so much vitriol for uh, sure. her and for Daisy Ridley. It's like, man, I want to have a constructive criticism of this movie that by the way, I rank a negative one out of 10 and yeah, I, I have strong feelings, but like that doesn't then apply to the actors and actresses. And speaking of that, uh, Ahmad yeah. best, what happened to him? Death threats. Oh, sure. Like the man was considering suicide. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I definitely don't see you or Will or TJ in this category, but it does surprise me how the vicious Star Wars fans can get like I'm a professional wrestling fan. People were having fights in parking lots about NWO and DX back in the 90s. And now pro wrestling fans are like the nicest, some of the nicest people, some of the most like progressive fan base you can find. They're still toxic corners, as there always will be. So just to like hear some of the stuff like like you were saying, like with Daisy Ridley, like Come on, none of these people are nowhere near as bad of actors as what's his face who played Anakin. Like, come on, what <laughs> is this? And and even at that, that doesn't make the movies. The performance of a move in a movie should not justify does not justify death threats, you know? Yes. Like, that's horrible. Absolutely. I mean, there's no place for it. And a, a certain part of that's just anonymity on the internet. At sure. this time, it's like you can get away with a lot. And some of it may have just been trolling. And even then, that's still excessive for trolling. Oh, yeah. But but like people le- legitimately thought these things. They wanted uh, them gone. They wanted them dead. And it's like, no, that's awful. Please. Like, you're why no one can take it us uh, seriously. Like, get some help for yourself, please. 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 Uh, Toxic. So, yeah. Toxic. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did I answer my own question? Uh, I don't think Jar Jar needs this to be redeemed as a character. It'd make him a lot cooler if it was true. But sure. he's fine as is for me. I, I would have, if George Lucas had had an editor, as he did for the original trilogy, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think things would have changed for the better. But you know what? The man did what we wanted. He made billions of dollars. He can do whatever he wants. It's his story. It is. Do you want more closure, even if it's not the Darth Lord thing. Do you want more closure on Jar Jar? Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see where he ends up. Like, how does he feel mm-hmm. about being the person who gave Palpatine that authority and power? 
Like, how does he feel about losing Senator Amidala and Anakin and Obi-Wan and all of his friends and being left alone? Why is he not in any of the Senate scenes in Andor or what have you? Mm-hmm. Or even Rogue One, for that matter. True. I would like to see that. But it's not it's not the end of the world if I don't get that. I don't think you could do like old man Jar Jar, like old man Logan. But they're because that's like <laughs> a hard that's still a hard shift. You know, that's almost a harder yes. shift than he was a Sith Lord the whole time, you know. But there is something there like that, you know, of like, you're the one who gave him the power. You lost all of your friends. You know, all of these Jedi inadvertently who got killed by who got killed in Order 66, like that's on you because you gave him Mm -hmm. the power. Like, so there is like a there could be a story there of not like jaded Logan type of thing, but still like what did that do to you as a person, as a Gungan? I I agree completely. Like, I would like to see that happen. I don't think they're going to at any point in time because of what happened to his character. I'm very grateful for those of you who are not caught up to the Mandalorian. Uh, Something happens, Brandon, I don't think you're there, but let's just say uh, there is redemption for someone, uh, not Jar Jar, because we're not talking about that, but (laughs) someone, someone involved with him that he got the praise he deserved. I'll put it that way. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. at, At the recording of this, I'm only on episode three. So, Okay. Yeah. So we've talked around it. How did Jar Jar Binks become a Sith Lord? Let's create our canon here. Okay. I I can't decide. Was he a Sith Lord the whole time? Or was this like slow manipulation, kind of like Palpatine with Anakin? What do you think? Does it does it start with like he's a plant from the get go or is it slowly evolves? I think I prefer the plant the whole time. Because okay. if we're going with that, a lot of things start making a lot of sense with how easy they're able to do certain things and okay. him being a Sith the whole time and then just happens to be able to maneuver his way out of being hit by blaster fire, just happens to, you know, mm-hmm. throw the right uh, grenade or whatever they ha- call it in the movie mm-hmm. to disable the droids. Like, I- I'm better with that. You, is that OK with you? I like that, too, because keep in mind, the first time that we are introduced to Jar Jar, he's just like in the jungle as the trade federation troopers are like showing up. So it could even be like he, they like dropped him first. Oh yeah. To create this scene of like, Oh, Hey, Qui-Gon Jinn, ah, type of thing. Like, yeah, I like that. I like that. He was a plant from the get go. And then too, with that, like with the way that they speak about the force being clouded, them unable to sense the dark sides approach it would make perfect sense. Even if he was using force powers right next to him, they wouldn't recognize it because of what Palpatine had done behind the scenes for him to make that force jump of 20 feet into the air for him to dive into the water <laughs> and him using, you know, force persuasion on everyone with his waving his hands around. Like I can see that a lot better. So like, okay, so we established he is, but how did Palpatine find him? Mm, that's a good one. Oh, Cause they are man. on the same planet, but we know that Naboo, right. And the Gungans don't really have that much contact with one another. Right. Isn't like... Do you remember Jar Jar was banished? Right. I was but is it for the say, reasons he, he like, stated? Or did he do something could, terrible? Ooh. Ooh. So he was banished because he was going to sell them out to Palpatine. I would say there was a step even before the banishment of Jar Jar somehow 
gets into contact with Palpatine and like gets banished on purpose, causes these issues to get banished on purpose. So that way he could continue his training. I don't know okay. what that other step is beforehand to get purposely banished, but I think there I think there's something even before that. Well, they say they don't really have dealings with the the Naboo, but they it's not to say they don't ever have dealings. So maybe Palpatine came sure. as like a goodwill mission and Jar Jar was uh, with his dad and mm. they happen to meet and they uh, like recognizing like. It's like, okay, well, I'm doing this over here, training it with the force and you're doing that. Okay, let's talk. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Palpatine has like 70 different apprentices at once because the man can't commit. <laughs> yeah, what's up what's with one this more? whole what's up with this whole Sith rule of you know, only one apprentice and he's got like 19 at a time. Like he's not, he's not committal to this one, one Sith apprentice rule. Well, if you go into the Darth Bane trilogy books, which TJ and I will be discussing mm. later on, Ooh. you see the beginnings of the rule of two, which is a thousand years rule before this movie. Yes. Okay. And basically Bane decides like, look, every time the Sith gather our powers weakened because we have too many people using it at once. And we keep infighting because we all want to be the very best, like no one ever was. And <laughs> collecting apprentices also- along the way. Um, so what if it's just me and an apprentice? You have the master to hold the power, the apprentice to crave the power. Mm. And we act in the shadows and eventually we'll take over everything. Okay, I also like how the the Sith part of the Force apparently works like a Wi-Fi router, and if there's too many people on the server, it crashes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how you explained it. Like I, mean, I said, I'm basically, I'm a, I'm a, basically, okay. Like I said, I I'm very unfamiliar with all of the uh, what is now known as Legends canon. My wife and my youngest brother are both like really into that stuff, so I learn a lot. And it's fascinating to me. So this, but this is, you go back to Darth Bane is where this rule of two comes into play. Yes. But that's a thousand like, years ago. Yes. So for a thousand years, there was master apprentice, master apprentice. And then Palpatine decides he's going to just do whatever. And so, yeah, where was I going with that? I will find you have anything you want to say on this. So Darth Jar Jar then is one of the many apprentices is. Okay. So what is. Jar Jar like is a duelist. I was wondering that myself and wondering like what it seems if we're taking this theory as fact, he's very proficient on the force side of things. Mm -hmm. So like how well would he do on the lightsaber side? I mean, there is certainly a way he could make like a, almost a drunken fist kind of thing. The, the fool's saber or whatever we'll call it for Mm -hmm. right now, a placeholder name of Yeah. yeah. Acting like he doesn't know what he's doing. And that causes someone to drop their guard. And that's when he stabs. I like that of like, he's not, he's just looking for like, almost like assassination type of role. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not Darth Maul or Count Dooku, who's actually very proficient with the lightsaber, but instead he's just going to catch you off guard and then catch you real quick. I like that a lot more than him just jumping constantly up in the air with his lightsaber. That would be obnoxious. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those situations. If he's back into a corner, maybe he can fight you, but he never wants that to happen because he wants to guarantee kill. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Okay, now how about force powers? You think besides force persuasion and force jump, do you think there's anything in particular he'd be really great at? Mm. I was thinking not 
uh, Force Lightning because yeah. as, as an aquatic based whatever. <laughs> Using Pokemon rules, that won't work great. Um, <laughs> and just how real life works. Um, yeah, not yeah. so much the lightsaber or not lightsaber, excuse me, the lightning, the force lightning does. What else? What else could you have? He could but probably move. We, he can move stuff really well. I can see him like move stuff and be able to jump really quickly from I object to object before they like start falling. So he could even like escape really quickly. What were you going to say? I was going to say like force. I was thinking force push and force pull for keeping what we're making here of him being like the in the shadows kind of uh, mm -hmm. fighter and that he causes a distraction. And that's one of the ways he's able to get closer to you because you see mm. uh, something just got flung off that table, lightsaber to the back, you know, and then he sure. moves on. Yes. He's an assassin. He's a Sith assassin, not like a bounty yes. hunter, but he's he, no. he has assassin. He has assassin like. So he probably can't heal anybody because what purpose no. would that be? You know? That wouldn't serve yeah. any purpose. Are there any other like very specific force abilities that would aid him in assassinations? Hmm. Well, there's there's force concealment, which is like making your presence hardly felt. It's kind of like uh, scouters in Dragon Ball Z. You know, okay. like you can lower your power level and people won't be able to detect you. OK, so, so I think that would absolutely. fit him perfectly well. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. I I like this. He's not a main Sith Lord. He's a Sith assassin. Yes. Just picking people off in the shadows. I love it. Okay. So Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. Well, uh, apprentice at this point in time. Mm -hmm. All right. What changes in the movies if this is exactly who he is? <sighs> what changes in the movies? So, okay. So Count Dooku has to happen. Everything with Count yes. Dooku, that, that's a set storyline. Does general grievous go away and it's actually uh, i don't know how that works though to also have the he gives power to the emperor in the senate chamber scene but you know what i'm saying like do, does this yeah. somehow eliminate general grievous and now you have just jar jar binks is one of the is the main apprentice now well i think we keep grievous and that he's the public face obviously he's not a force wielder but he's using the lightsaber yeah. so the same presence is there and you go well if anyone's working with the sith it's got to be this guy so everyone's attention is here while jar jar okay. is working over here that's also good because like you said grievous is the lightsaber not force sensitive whatsoever so jar jar makes up for it it's a yin and yang situation he's yes jar jar's over here with like all of the force abilities while general grievous is the very like public crazy lightsaber stuff does jar jar have a a sith lord name because you do have a different name we all I call him count with dooku one. yeah right well, but he's, I, he's darth tyrannus though right yeah 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 i couldn't come up with anything because i don't know do these names like do these names mean something that i'm not aware of i know darth I mean, maul they do is in like english and latin and but I know Darth yes. Maul is like part of a tribe. I know I'm familiar with yes. uh, the tribe of the Sith storyline. I think that's what that's called. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, the, uh, the Night Sisters. <laughs> yeah. Night Brothers there. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of a name I wanted to give him, but it would obviously it would have to revolve around his shifty, uh, foolish nature. It'd be like you would never suspect him of being like your main threat. Yeah. Whatever some Latin is for like 
fool or jester or something yeah. like that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, reply anywhere, but especially on our Discord for the episode discussions. Ooh. If you have a name for Darth Jar Jar. Yes. I need to get on Discord. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're waiting for you. We'll be there to welcome you with open arms. Woo! All right. So part of being a Sith, especially one under the command of the rule of two, as we've established, is we're going to present one face to the public and another in private. Now, mm -hmm. we've had a lot of people in our lives, friends, families, uh, family members and the like, do the same to us. Like, how should we react when we learn this is happening? And how can we recognize our own failings when it comes to acting two-faced? Ooh, I like that turn. Getting to two-faced. Yeah, it's hard because it's hard to have the conversation about being two-faced, uh, particularly nowadays because, you know, at one point in time, it was just kind of like, well, that person is two-faced. You know, this is actually who they are type of thing. And now, you know, rightfully so, we talk more about nuance and like, how is this person? Why is this person behaving the way that they are? And is this really who they are? Or is just just a character flaw? You know, some people are still very just two-faced about things. They appear goofy when actually they're a Sith assassin. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully That's not. often the case. <laughs> As often the case <laughs> may be. Um, jumping 20 feet in the air and we just kind of nod our heads and move on. Yeah. When it comes to this idea of being two-faced, maybe just thinking about it in my own life, just my own struggles, I know that you have to have a, a, a you need to have an element of being self-aware enough to know that you have character flaws. Even if you are just, even if you aren't a two-faced person, you have to be self-aware and introspective enough to know that you're not perfect. And that's not even like coming at it from a total depravity, thin standpoint. Like you, you, no one is perfect. No one is truly a perfect person. You're going to mess up at times. And, you know, to, to lean into like my martial art philosophy is like what, what matters more is how you get back up and how you dust yourself off and how you conduct yourself. Once those failures and, are made apparent to you, you know, being two faced may actually be being aware of the fact that you, you do have these failures, but you continue on knowing that you have these failures and make no effort to make any type of change towards it. I think that's really the malicious part. You know, mm. I've said a lot of words. What do you think? <laughs> that's okay. We're allowed to talk here. <laughs> as long as I'm running this show at this part in time. You can talk as much as you want. So it's one of those things. Obviously, it's a case by case basis. Like not every situation is going to be the exact same for why someone is acting one way in front of you and then acting a different way to others or even when they're on their own. I think it's a good case of, OK, what is it about them that around me they have to act this way? What is it about me that they think they have mm. to act this way? And then from furthering there, like noticing patterns, I mean, like, hey, uh, all these things you say to me are so positive, but every time I hear them talk, uh, them tell me what you say behind my back, uh, uh, we can't have that. And that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. And a certain point in time, we've got to learn. We, we still need to forgive, but we can't yes. forget. And I know a lot of people have that false ideology of forgive and forget. Uh, I don't right. see that anywhere in my scripture. Yeah. Because guess what? If someone's hurt you before, they can do it again. And mm -hmm. if you just have this laissez-faire attitude, well, guess what? You've just proven that they can still do it to you. 
because they know they're going to get away with it. So just just be careful, be mindful and have that conversation. And sometimes at worst case scenario, you may just have to cut them out of your life. Yeah. And I know that doesn't sound very Christian-y either. It, we have this idea that like we have to, at all costs, try and maintain some form of unity being well aware of the fact that Josh has another podcast. It's all about church unity that that Christian and I have been on frequently, but there does come a point where people are toxic. People can be toxic and to put up boundaries, which is not a, which for some Christians is a very fine thing. And for other Christians, it's a very unpopular idea. There does come a place for boundaries at some point. Not everyone needs to know the, not everybody needs to know all the nitty gritty of your life and you don't need to allow everybody into all of those parts of your life. People can take advantage of that and it's, it's tricky and it's difficult. And one of my favorite things to remind everybody is that although we prefer to have a faith that is black and white, it, it really isn't. Life is more complicated than just the black and white solutions. That's why we have so many books in our Bible that are devoted to wisdom literature. Wisdom literature isn't necessarily – being wise isn't necessarily black and white answers. It's case by case of navigating what does God have for me in this specific situation. Some Obviously, there are plenty of things in our faith that are black and white situations, but how yes. they are lived out, you know, how we live out our faith, there's case by case instances, particularly when it comes to how we interact with other people. I think discernment would be the best way of learning how to deal with this issue. Sure. It's like, what can and can't I say around this person? Because I have been burned by accountability partners in the past who then mm-hmm. went and reported to people higher up than me in the church. And things went poorly because of that. Now, obviously, there's something they need to change about themselves. But I also mm-hmm. need to learn, okay, who can I and can't I trust? And mm-hmm. that's not easy. That's not fun. We want to yeah. trust everyone in the church. We want to love them as Christ loves us. But people are people. Yeah. So be aware and keep yourself safe without becoming a recluse, without thinking you just lone wolf Christian this. Trust me, sure. it's not good. It never works. As mm-hmm. much as I'd like to think it did, it never did. I should never <laughs> go back to that way of thinking. Agreed for myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've discussed like the negative aspects of being a Sith, that whole like two-faced nature, the the way people tend to end up dying around them because they have goals they want to further. Like, okay, what positive things can we learn about their conniving natures? You know, there is something there, and this is still part of my life that I'm trying to figure out. There is still something there about like a positive way of being crafty. Crafty is being crafty is usually depicted as being a very negative thing because it usually is. But there's a strategic planning ability that Sith Lords do have for malicious intent that the the ability to be so strategically planned and so long term focused. I mean, in of the in of themselves, they're not evil. Those are tools for how we navigate life. Right. So I think if you can learn anything from the Sith, it is the value of 
strategic thinking. Please use that force ability for the right side, for kingdom, for kingdom purposes, for advancement of the kingdom of God, of being strategically minded. How do you see the ministry that you're involved in, whether you're a pastor listening to this show or another fellow podcaster or a small group leader or, hey, you're a parent at home with your kid? How can you think strategically about discipling the people that are that you are discipling or how can you think strategically about growing ministry X that you're involved in? You know, I think that would be the the thing that we can latch on to positively. What about you? Well, there's a couple of verses in the gospels that I very rarely hear preached. And that's when Jesus brings up that he wants us to be as shrewd as serpents. Yeah. And you hear that phrase offhand and go, no, that sounds awful. Why would I ever do that? Say like, no. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He wants you to be intelligent. He wants you to be Mm -hmm. wise in how you conduct yourself and how you treat the people around you, how you know how you should handle the people around you. Some people need to be talked to in a certain way. That's not being Mm -hmm. two-faced. You're meeting their needs where they are. Some Mm -hmm. people need to be talked another way. Some people, you need to get rid of them immediately because all they're going to do is cause trouble. And that's never going to be fruitful for any ministry you have. And I don't want to see them go away. I want them to come to repentance. I want them to work well with us. But it is shrewder for us to protect the people around us. And we better make sure that when we do these things, we're on the right side of history. We're not just doing this out of a personal attack or a personal offense. This is, it is legitimately, we need to be able to manipulate is the wrong word, uh, pursue ways to talk to people and know who they are, know where they're at, Mm -hmm. and then get the best result for everyone. And I think the Sith can do that extremely well. We should do the same in love. Yes. Amen. Do it in love. (laughs) Don't do it for your own personal glory. Do it for, you know, kingdom purposes. Do it for discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And you rarely hear sermons about that verse. Yeah, I I think people just don't know how to handle it. It's like you get get the love, Jesus. You get the... uh, the condemnation part, and then you get to this verse and you go, hmm, this goes a little against everything else, it seems like, initially. But sure, still there. It's it, still Jesus. And whether it's Genesis 3 or Indiana Jones, snakes are usually not depicted very well. So yes. to have this moment where it's like, no, I want you to be snake-like. We, I want you to be like a serpent and be quick-witted and, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's it's awkward, but it's there. That is Jesus. So. And it's there for our benefit. He's not going to tell us to do something that's going to, you know, harm us spiritually. It's there for our own good. Yes. All right, Brandon, do you have anything else you'd like to bring up about uh, this conversation as a whole, but like uh, Dr. Archer specifically before we wrap things up? I think his lightsaber handle is going to look very unique. That's it. That's all I've got. Yeah. Fair enough. Like the end of the hook one, like Count Dooku. It's going to be something like that. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, Brandon, before I go into that, do you have any recommendations you want to offer the audience? Yes. Keeping with the theme of silly Star Wars stuff, one of the few uh, expanded universe things or Legends universe things that I have read, I would recommend uh, Star Wars Tag and Bink. Have you ever read Tag and Bink? <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that was a, a Dark Horse comic book series. Marvel has reprinted it since they've gotten the printing rights to star wars basically if i could summarize it 
the point of this story is to show that all of the major moments in Star Wars, all of the key plot points have been greatly influenced by two bumbling uh, rebel soldiers. It's basically yes. what it comes down to. It's very funny. It's very silly. There's a lot of like space balls kind of humor that go into the story. So I would recommend that they were supposed to be canonized. I don't know if you knew that Christian, they were going to be in of all things solo. <laughs> I did but not the, know. Scene, the scene got cut. The scene ended oh. up getting cut from the film. They were going to be, uh, they were going to show him in the Imperial Flight School, and they were going to be there. But the scene got cut, so I would definitely recommend that. Yeah, um, best way I can put that series is it's kind of like what Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is to Hamlet for my <laughs> theater fans out there. But Star right. Wars, yeah. As far as my recommendation goes. Uh, since I brought it up earlier, if you guys want to catch up before TJ and I talk about it, go read the Darth Bane trilogy by Drew Capirchian. And I just said his name wrong. And I said that as fast as quickly as possible <laughs> just to get away from that. It is. Yeah, there's a lot of whys, but it sets up uh, how the Sith came into the rule of two very well, uh, why they needed to do it. And it works. I normally hate villain protagonists, but it does it so well that this series is a must read for that part of the legends canon. All right, guys, I thank you for listening. I will destroy the Jedi. Double, <laughs> double-handed Bane joke. Yes. Guys, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been a fun time. We love to speculate about these. We're going to keep having these polls on the Facebook group where you can vote. If you're not on the Facebook group, try and join. If you want to see your specific what if there, give us ideas as well. Not only for this, but for episode discussions later on for Systematic Ecology. You can find us on Discord like we talked before. Head out there. We can talk about all the good stuff that's happening right now in Star Wars or what else. We're also on YouTube as well where we do uh, special videos every now and then. We're going to have a live video, or maybe by the point this happened, I think it's already gone, of us reviewing The Mandalorian the whole season. And guys, as well, check us out on Patreon. Uh, Send us money that way if you are able to, if you would like to. I understand money is hard. I'm a part of the Patreon and it kills my wallet every month, but I do it anyways because I know <laughs> we need help with website hosting, with uh, other stuff as well. So thank you for all you do there if you're a patron. Guys, as well, all this, as we've been talking to, please, if you ever get a moment, leave a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. It kind of helps increase the spread of the show. Like, you didn't have to write anything. Just put that five-star there, and then we're going to say thank you. If you write it, we'll try and read it out loud on the show. But guys, before anything else, remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.